the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome everybody uh, to this week's edition of Armchair Politics Part 2, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner Program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Uh, welcome back, Paul. Always good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Welcome back to you as well, Henry. Thank you, Tom. And it's always a uh, treat to have a former government official under two Republican presidential administrations, Mark Everson, join the roundtable. Mark, welcome back to you as well. Thanks for having me. And it wouldn't be uh, Wednesday, it wouldn't be armchair politics if I didn't cut Henry off at least once, (laughs) uh, as I did at the end of the last hour. Uh, Henry, did you want to pick it up there, or should we move on? Just move on. Okay. If Michigan loses its ongoing legal battle with Canadian oil transport giant Enbridge over pipeline that goes uh, through the Straits of Mackinac, a Republican-backed budget bill would force the Department of Natural Resources to reimburse the private company's legal fees with money intended to pay staff. If Michigan loses its lawsuits, the GOP backed amendment to a bill outlining funding for the department would likely lead to firing or laying off a handful of employees or not filling open positions. The move is another shot fired at Governor Gretchen Whitmer and her administration over the decision to revoke Enbridge's 1953 easement, which allows the company to run its pipelines along the lake bottom. Is there a compromise that would satisfy all sides of this contentious issue? Well, you know, can I just say this? Uh, There are two sides to it. 
there's the scientific side and then there's the political side. And um, and I, in this case, I believe in the science. And I believe that we economically need to do what we need to do to bring those resources from Canada to the United States safely. And it could be done by protect and protecting the Great Lakes as well. Yeah, I was going to add, I'm, I'm not, well, I've got some serious doubts about Line 5 and the dangers to the Great Lakes. When I, I'm not opposed to pipelines, particularly when I'm sitting by a railroad crossing watching these endless lines of tank cars go by full of oil that I suspect are probably a less safe way to transport that than pipelines are. But if they're done right, I, I would think, I'm guessing that pipelines are a much safer way to to transport oil than either trucks or, or rail cars. And guys, if you stop and think about it, we get in these pipelines and drive from the United States to Canada. And millions of people go through this a year, and yet we're afraid to bring oil through there, and yet we risk thousands and millions of lives over time through the same kind of a process. doesn't make sense. Well, I th we've been talking about this issue for, what, a, a year or two At on least, this show yeah. as it yeah. pops up and various uh, negotiations go back and forth. <clears throat> and I, I, thought, I thought we all had it solved here many months ago um, when we uh, suggested that, you know, the, the tunnel that they talked about, a second-tier containment yes. was was probably the best solution yes i agree with you and and scientists have known this for a, a thousand of years even the romans if they had a chance they would have done it just like they did the aqueduct that lasted two thousand years and still standing see we thought we had it all figured out yeah. guys um with the the second containment structure yeah sure. and and then enbridge went and you know made that left turn at albuquerque and said well no we'll build a new tunnel and a new pipeline and then abandon the pipeline that's already there yeah and and then it became not as attractive as the idea of of securing the existing pipeline by mm -hmm. encasing it in another uh newer tunnel and it, yeah, and it would allow for safe repairs and and other things some of the original drawings of that tunnel look pretty spacious, but I think we were joking about the fact you could have a uh, Labor Day tunnel walk <laughs> instead of a bridge walk. <laughs> if it was as big as, they, as big as the drawings seem to appear to, 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 to depict it. Well, I don't yeah. know what the answer is, is going yeah. to be. There are a lot of people in Michigan who want the line shut down, um, dismantled, and, and <clears throat> to never have existed if possible. And, and others who say it's the safest way to move oil and, um, and too many jobs would be lost. It's, it's going to be interesting. And, and the problem is that sure. the pipe is aging. Yes. You can yeah. be sure the next generation will figure it out. The kids who are bor born yesterday will figure this out. 
<laughs> you're you're no a lot, of time. Well, let's hope the pipeline lasts that long. <laughs> yeah, you're a lot more yeah, optimistic than a lot of people I know, Henry. <laughs> yes, I am, because they they believe in themselves. <clears throat> they believe that they have the technology to do anything that they wish to do, and we are guided by. Well, it didn't work yesterday. It didn't work in 2010, and it ain't going to work now. The young people are looking ahead. So we don't have to agonize ourselves over whether this is going to be done or not. They will do what they need to do to survive. Well, speaking of uh, pipelines and technology, President Joe Biden said Thursday he does not believe the Russian government was behind a cyber attack that shut down the pipeline supplying gasoline to the eastern U.S., but said Moscow must do more to stop such attacks coming from Russia. When asked directly if he would rule out any sort of cyber attacks targeting the criminal group that carried out the attack, Biden simply said no. What are the options for retaliation for cyber attacks of this nature? I don't know. In fact, I, I always thought that, that maybe one option would be to, to cyber attack and return because to shut down their computers. I mean, I, I'm not a con- enough of a computer geek to know how to do anything close to that. But I mean, I would think there's more ways to respond. That would be basically a retaliatory cyber attack for those who've done the attacking. And again, if that's possible, but, uh, I'm sure we're actively involved in those efforts. I mean, I, I think I would, so. I would think so. We certainly wouldn't admit to it, and and the Russians would never admit to it because they wouldn't want to show any weakness. Yeah, yeah. Well, look at the Israelis in Iran and, you know, the uh, accidents they had in their nuclear development facilities. There's a lot of capability out there, and uh, we're just not going to comment on our capabilities in that regard, of course. But this this pipeline event... uh, this is a watershed moment, just like the revelation in the fall of the hacking into a lot of the sensitive government departments like Homeland Security and Treasury that did take place. It did, was the Russians, by all accounts. And uh, yeah. these are, this is a wake-up wake call that we need to be uh, much more deliberate in our work here and, and, and yes, aggressive in terms of if People are going after us. That's an act of war. Uh, now, this may be a criminal enterprise that's just standing there, but uh, at some point we will act to take out the criminal enterprise if the, if the Russians don't uh, don't control it. I'm sure that's the case. Because, you know, look, this was very precarious. The pipeline, as I understand it, provided uh, something like 45% of the gasoline for the East Coast. So that's a, that's a big number. And the most worrisome thing was the public reaction. Once, once the, there was the worry of shutting down the pipeline, people went, you know, stampeded to, to hoard hoard gasoline and put it in plastic bags in the trunk of their cars and things like that. Plastic <laughs> bags? <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> That's right. What you know. a great comment. Well, it'll be. Uh... But I, I think the whole the whole cyber cyber warfare is probably more worrisome than the traditional warfare in the future. I think we're going to be seeing. So I mean, when you look at the damage that you could do, you could do with that one single attack, I mean that was more more substantial probably than a a, a bombing attack against something, but with with very low level kind of kind of uh, technology, 
that uh, had great effect on the country in a, in a significant way. And a, a far larger attack, like the uh, Colonial Pipeline, could be extraordinarily damaging, now, far, far you, beyond 9-11. Right. And what you're getting at, Tom, is the difficulty of assigning blame for this. I mean, when somebody, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor or 9-11, things like this, uh, you can see the people who, who did this, and maybe you can connect the dots more readily. But uh, what you get, look at, we went in and we invaded Iraq. Uh, we thought we had the intelligence, and uh, but the intelligence proved to be wrong. It's even harder when you're looking at some of these cyber areas to assign the blame and to figure out who's the real culprit here. Yeah, I, and I have to uh, I have to go along with Paul. I, I I don't understand the technology well enough to know if the answer lies in retaliation um, or how we go about determining who's responsible, or even better still, how we protect our assets from being hacked to begin with. You've got to work on all of the above. I mean, that's yeah. the bottom line here. Well, and, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about this because I, I think this is the new modern warfare, and it is more damaging. You know, in, in uh, the, the old days, uh, conventional warfare, you take out a bridge or a refinery with a bomb attack, and, yeah, the immediate area is affected, but in this particular case, when you talk about 45% of the gasoline for the East Coast cut off in a single cyber attack, um, that's, it's, it's frightening, the damage that can be done. Yeah, and if you, if you applied that to, th to other things like uh, uh, bridges, banks, financial institutions, just communication in general, uh, the damage could be astonishing. We saw that a couple of years ago with the electric grid. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Well, look at what happened in Texas, and that was that was weather, but yeah. that could easily have been the result of an attack of this kind. Yeah. No, the 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 the, the potential there is really really quite frightening in many ways. I say in, in in some ways more so than traditional, you know, military hardware that we've got, gotten used to for the last many centuries. Well, I uh, we have another break coming up here in about a minute, so I don't want to dig in on, on this next one just yet. Well, let me make a, one more point on this then. And, uh, yeah. It's not clear. Different entities are responding differently with this ransomware problem, and apparently Colonial did pay $5 million, or I saw at least one story on this. And uh, it's, it's difficult as long as entities pay the, pay the ransom, uh, the criminal enterprise is going to keep going. It's like kidnapping. It, it, uh, it, there's a, there's a tricky if, balance here. If you pay the ransom, are you incentivizing future attacks? Yeah. Of course you are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's or like the pirates, uh, you know, going after the freighters or something. And, you know, it's just, it just is going to keep going. The criminal enterprise, there are going to be people who are going to say this is easy money. Well, we're going to take a break on that note and uh, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. And then we're going to see what's uh, 
What's up for Liz Cheney when we return to armchair politics after Hello, this? Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annanick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. A doctor. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we uh, continue Armchair Politics on today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Wyoming Republican Representative Liz Cheney, whose criticism over uh, former President Donald Trump led to her ouster from uh, the House Republican leadership, said Friday that several Republican members of Congress uh, had voted against impeaching uh, Trump out of fear for their own lives, telling CNN's Jake Tapper on the lead that there are more members who believe in substance and policy and ideals than are willing to say so. Cheney cited the impeachment vote earlier this year in which she was one of only 10 House Republicans who voted to hold Trump accountable for the Capitol riot. Hours earlier on Friday, New York Republican Representative Elise Stefanik, a vocal ally of, the, of uh, the former president who has a less conservative voting record than Cheney, was elected House GOP Conference Chairwoman. The key difference between the two women is that Stefanik has supported Trump's baseless claims of widespread fraud in the 2020 election, while Cheney has repeatedly rebutted them, leading House Republicans to complain that the Wyoming Republican is undermining the party's message of promoting Trump's brand of politics. Cheney said her role as a member of Congress obligated her to oppose the widespread lie of fraud in the election, and she believes that we've had a collapse of truth in this country. What does the future hold for Liz Cheney? Hmm. I, I saw some interviews of people in, in Wyoming, and at least the, the interviews they had suggested that both she is still popular, as is Trump in Wyoming. So I, I, I don't know, but uh, I, the, didn't the Wyoming Republican Caucus censure her as well? Yes, uh, they did. I, I believe they did, yeah. <clears throat> yes. Uh, but but I you know it's too early to tell. Okay, you know <clears throat> we can speculate on this, but remember the Republican Party, and she's the Republican. That will survive long after the players disappear. And so <clears throat> we don't know where, uh, how uh, Donald Trump figures out. We don't know what his fate is. And it looks as though <clears throat> a lot of things are going on to undermine his financial institutions, uh, his ownership of properties, uh, his legacy as president, all that stuff. People are trying to tear that down. And uh, that will make a lot of difference. How he fares out of this process over the next uh, six months will determine uh what Liz Cheney's fate will be. And you've got to remember who her dad is. Exactly. And, uh, so, and he has a lot of influence in this country. So we don't know yet. But I think Republicans generally like her. I think that women like her. Well, as you point out, Henry, I, I think mean, her, that blacks her, like her. Her, hmm? her. her voting record is really more conservative than uh, than the the new representative they've chosen. So in terms of ideology, she's probably more Republican than uh, uh, than, the, than her replacement. Uh, I, I do yeah, think... I... Go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I do think that uh, two points uh, to what you're saying, Henry. First, uh, just in the last day or so, the uh, New York Attorney General has said that they're going criminal on the Trump organization. Yeah. So that's a significant development. And the second piece is, I think it's today that the House is expected to vote for the establishment of a of a commission to oh, look yeah. at the, the events of January 6th. And, and, and I think that there's a pretty good chance that the Senate will support that as well. And if that takes place, uh, that will change the dynamic because it'll be a pretty sober uh, investigation. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not clear at all how, uh, to your point, how Trump ages out in the next, in the next year on this. And that, of course, will have an impact on her future. Yes, and, and, and you know, uh, people do, um, uh, they, they do come to uh, grips with uh, things that live far beyond their life expectancy. And the expectancy of what uh, the last administration did in this country is rapidly disappearing and being replaced by the current view of the world and the current Lots of things that are changing, and people are uh, got so many things on their plate that they can't give due loyalty to one issue. I, I think that the other thing, right? And I think uh, voters reward authenticity, and I think particularly uh, the perception of authenticity in the West. And uh, whatever you want to say about Liz Cheney, she's being pretty authentic here because she's standing uh, virt yeah. virtually alone. Yes, and, and and she looks uh, and she looks truthful. She looks concerned. Right. She looks as though she's there for the right reason. And I and I, I'm not. This is in no way criticizing the former president Trump. But you got to look at issues that other people see to see if you are a Trump supporter. How you can defend the pre the former president. But uh, to do it by just political jargons, you that ain't gonna work. You gotta yeah, my hunch is she'll survive. I would think. Yeah, you gotta do something substance yeah. and believable. What about speculation that that she would run for president in twenty twenty four? I've heard some of that. Well, again, my my theory is if if we have a third party, if there's a third traditional Republican party, if you want to call it that. That yes, yeah, she she might be likely in that context. Now, whether a, a chance of success is probably pretty minimal if it should happen. Yeah, if there's I, a split. I can see yeah. that as a possibility. And I don't see her jumping into the race. Uh, it's too contentious right now, and and uh, she wants to make sure that she has a great uh, uh, tendency to survive that whole process, which will cause a lot of cause a lot of energy to be spending monies and so on and so forth. So um, I, I think that, no, she will not do that. She said her mission is to make sure that President Trump doesn't occupy the White House again. That's, I, I think that's that uh, she's, she'll keep her powder dry. Maybe she'll follow the Ted Cruz playbook and go to Cancun for a while or something. I don't know. She's pretty shrewd. She's going to wait before she would entertain anything like that. I think she'll wait a while and see how events play out. I agree. Yeah. I, I think um, her cause might be better served if she doesn't run. Yeah, I think it, she comes across as more right. uh, 
more courageous and heroic by doing by not running. And she certainly would be a hero for women in the United States. Well, Mark got a little bit ahead of me here uh, with uh, one of his comments a moment ago. House Republican leader uh, Kevin McCarthy announced Tuesday he opposed an inquiry to investigate the January 6th attack on the Capitol, siding with Republicans who have tried in recent days to downplay and move on from efforts to overturn the 2020 election. McCarthy's opposition to the bipartisan agreement for an independent commission comes ahead of a House vote this week to uh, create the panel modeled after the 9-11 Commission, which would be tasked with investigating the circumstances behind supporters of then-President Donald Trump breaching the Capitol to try to stop Congress from certifying the Electoral College vote for President Joe Biden. The bipartisan agreement to establish the January 6th Commission was reached last week by House Homeland Security Chairman Benny Thompson and the panel's top Republican representative John Katko of... uh, New York, who was one of the 10 House Republicans to vote to impeach Trump in the wake of the January 6th attack on the Capitol. But McCarthy and other top Republicans did not endorse the agreement CatCo had reached, which would give McCarthy much of what he'd sought from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, including an even number of Democrats and Republicans, and uh, sign-off from both sides for subpoenas. Was McCarthy negotiating in bad faith if he wasn't planning to support this inquiry? Well, he's been kind of all over the ballpark in terms of his support or non-support of Trump in general. So I, um, I'm not quite sure what his game is, to be honest with you. I don't think he can know that. I mean, he may have been fairly confident that Pelosi wouldn't agree to make it totally even-handed, but she certainly did. And, um, there, there are two issues here. One is trying to establish the genesis of the, you know, the this insurrection and, and how much of it relates to Trump. That's one piece. But the second piece, which I'm particularly concerned about, is the law enforcement response. How do you secure the government? How do you secure the legislative branch? And um, and if we don't have a mechanism like this, I worry that. We won't have a serious conversation, particularly on the latter. I think uh, you're not going to convince some of these folks who think that this was all uh, what was. What did you say, Tom? A tourist, uh, you know, a tourist visit or something? Yeah. You know, I mean, well, that, there was not, that one. There was a, that one congressman. Um, yeah. Who said uh, that? You know, if if you looked at the video, it would look like any other day at the Capitol with tourists visiting. Yeah, well, those are pretty energetic tourists. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, those are tourists as they go. <laughs> and, and, and no, and it really, it was uh, obviously it was appalling. And uh, McCarthy himself said so in the hours afterwards. So, so, um, but you know what he's trying to do is they want to have it look. Remember, uh, a left-wing wacko uh, shot Steve Scalise, who's the uh, from Louisiana at a baseball, a softball practice. So they're trying to say it ought to really look at things like that. I. Uh, they've lost that. They've lost that argument, I think. And I believe this probably will go through because it, this is an action that took place and it affected directly our elected representatives. They were there. The action was against them. So I I support this um, this commission, and I think it's now been drawn in a way 
that it, that'll be even-handed. And if they appoint the right people to it, hopefully it'll get its work done. I, if anything, the only thing I object to it is they're requiring that the work be done by the end of this calendar year, I suppose, because they don't want it to be coming up in the next year's election cycle. But still, it's we, particularly because you've got to see what did the FBI know, when did they know it, and why didn't they do more to force the action? Uh, you know, this is, these are serious issues because there will be a next time. You don't think that was a one-off? No, I think domestic terrorism is a big issue, and, and uh, I, I think we have to get the balance right. We have to strike the balance correctly between law enforcement and monitoring the uh, part of the. They want people on this commission who are comfortable with the sav, uh, tech savvy. Part of it is how how does law enforcement monitor social media? We're having important conversations right now. You know, should Trump be on social media? How do you kick people off social media? The power of Facebook. All of this is in there. So. This, 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 I think, is a starting point at the discussion of some of these threshold issues about our democracy. And, and if it's done in a, the right way, then 9-11, the 9-11 Commission was done in the right way, then it can make a contribution that, that we need. You know, and, and what, what many people miss in this whole conversation and the um, unfolding of the dialogue between the Democrats and the Republicans here is notice we're beginning to try to put something together that's bipartisan, that's above board, that's visible, that's planned, instead of uh, just mm -hmm. evolving. That and, is, and that is new, Henry, and it's a bigger deal than, than uh, people are giving it. Yes, and I think so. Americans, you know, and, and Americans, the ones that hurt our country most are the people who are not elected of, officials because they have nothing to lose. They put out all of this bunk out there, and they encourage the elected representatives to go do dumb things against working collectively to solve the problems of, for the American people. And so I am glad to see the Republicans and the Democrats, including Pelosi and, and all of those who uh, work together to create this did, bipartisan commission. That's the you, first step. Do you think they'll get I read 10 the Republican bill. votes in the Senate? Because I think they need 10 re at least 10 Republican votes in the Senate to get this thing through. I, I think, that, I think, I think they, that will evolve. People okay. change over time. When you are impacted by a lot of things that make sense, then, uh, as opposed to things that fail because you cannot develop a consensus, uh, people are willing to try something different and something new. We have to hope that that's the case here. Mark, what were I agree you with, say? No, I agree with that. And, and frankly, both in terms of McConnell's objections and McCarthy's objections, uh, Pelosi gave on everything except the broadening of the scope of the investigation to include other uh, domestic disturbances, uh, because that was an objective. But in terms of the composition of the committee and uh, commission, rather, and all the powers uh, she gave in, and I, I do think there's a, a real chance that they'll pick up the Senate votes they need. And I've, I've looked, I've read the, I read the bill the other night, and I, I think it's quite responsible, and it'll, mm -hmm. it, to Henry's point, it'll be the start of maybe this dialogue. Or I think we all feel this way. That's, that's, that'll be a useful uh, step. And the American people are exhausted in watching <laughs> us fight there, and they can't do anything about it. 
<clears throat> they want some change, and they want us to move in directions that solve their problems. So, um, you know what strikes you is that, that members of Congress who were there of both parties really emerged from that quite visibly emotionally shaken. I mean, some of their, some of their own comments after the event were quite striking. This was not simply something that they were watching. They were in the middle of it, and, and they, they came out of it, uh, you know, say, really, very, 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 very shaken by, the, by what they lived through. No, I think this was, to that point, Paul, I think it's a watershed moment. It's like, look, I was in the White House complex on 9-11, and we evacuated and went up to a hotel, and uh, uh, you were either there or not, and this is the first event like that <laughs> since that time, and I'm, I'm sure they all have personal views on this, so I do think that uh, as time settles in, I, th I think they'll form this commission, and I think they're, the idea is the commissioner will deliver its report, and... Uh, and then in the, there'll be hearings after that and so on and so forth. I think that'll be constructive, and they want to try and get something done before they get too overtly in the election cycle next year. Yeah. And I like Henry's thought that, uh, that all of this work moves forward in a bipartisan way that serves as, as something that might spread to other actions. True. Um, yeah, I, so. I, I, I That's... That may be a little too optimistic, but may, maybe something good will come out of that, that horrible event. Henry well, sounds like a Boy Scout. A little bit. A little <laughs> uh, bit. Well, obviously, guys, it's what we all want. You guys want the same thing that I want. We want to see our country stable, secure, and we want to see it survive the next generation for our kids and for our old age and for our well-being. So we're tired of What's going on? Well, when the Supreme Court meets uh, behind closed doors tomorrow, the justices will discuss a case brought by parents who say their son, Nicholas Gilbert, died in police custody in St. Louis after law enforcement officers placed their weight on his back as he was shackled face down. In court papers, the parents compare elements of the death of their son, who was white, with the murder of George Floyd. The allegation produced an angry response from the city that accused the parents of using the death of Floyd as a cudgel to try to browbeat this court into reviewing a case that is straightforward application of basic Fourth Amendment procedures. The case is being watched for any signal of the justice's willingness to step in and offer more definitive guidance on the legal doctrine of qualified immunity that shields law enforcement from liability for constitutional violations, including allegations of excessive force. Petitions are likely to continue to flow into the court at a time when tensions across the country are particularly high. Do you think the Supremes will take this up? Hmm. It could be an opportunity to, to, to give some... Um, even-handedness or even a, a racial balance to the whole police issue. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I yeah. wonder if they would back away from this at this time, though. I I, I, I had not heard about the details of that, that particular situation. And I'm, I'm like you, Paul. I believe that the court needs to relax a little bit. It's the highest authority in the land. And when it makes this decision, it must make the right one. There's not enough evidence out there to get involved right there. These are political problems that must be solved by Congress first. 
Yeah, and I'm wondering if they, are there constitutional issues here, or is it simply a matter of the legislation about the qualified immunity that states have yes, applied and so like forth? That. That's that's not quite a constitutional issue as such. Um, I don't know. And something Paul picked up on sent a note to me about yesterday uh, in his his weekly email with things we might talk about on the show, and and I didn't pick up on this. Um, I I was going to ask if you think the Supreme Court, if there are going to be a flurry of things that come out of them uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks as they get ready to break, you know, until the first Monday in October. Um, this is the time of year when a lot of cases. Um, are announced but you suggest they're they're taking up and i i missed this when i was preparing for today um that you think they're going to take up major cases on abortion and gun rights next year yeah i, I what i've heard is that there's one major case in fact i think mark maybe it's out of mississippi i think about that's correct yeah yeah they was going to limit they, 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 they're taking it up almost overturn roll wade or come close to overturning yes. roll wade yeah. You know, there's a lot of uh, yeah. There's a lot that's been written on that in the last couple of days. It's a case yes. that that looks at a Mississippi statute. So yes, I think they've got plenty of controversial work to do without getting into the policing piece. But uh, we'll see. And, and I mean, besides, I and think gun rights um, and, and gun rights too, Paul. I, I mean, this these are a couple of sacred cows when it comes to uh, uh, Supreme Court rulings. Yeah, I, th- I think the gun rights one revolved around whether or not you needed a some kind of a permit for for concealed carry. In some again, I forgot what state was bringing the case. Ten- Tennessee the just passed uh, fairly recently a-, a law that says you don't. Yeah, maybe may, may have been Tennessee then that was taking that case. So, and I know that I mean, because I have a friend in Nashville who jumped through all kinds of hoops to get a concealed carry <laughs> permit, and mm. literally the next day the legislature okay <laughs> announced that <laughs> you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, that that may be the issue then. So, so potentially, I mean, given the, the makeup of the court uh, with the more conservative bent, those could be two two dynamite cases next year in the Supreme Court. Well, and don't forget, you've got this commission that the president has appointed to look at the Supreme oh, Court, too. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I can't remember when the deadline for their work is. But all this, you know, it could be in 2022 is going to be an interesting year in terms of how Americans feel about the court. And uh, now you've got a lot of there's a drumbeat that Breyer has to resign there. You know, the people are the liberals are hysterical about the fact that Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't resign, and now they're they're basically putting Breyer on notice. He's going to he better resign or else. <laughs> pretty shrill. Yeah, yeah, it's very odd. Well, it's going to be something uh, for sure to to follow. Um, in any event, uh, we've got another break coming up here, and then. Uh, <laughs> and then and then we get to look at uh, some of the weird and wacky uh, news that we call the X-Files, which sometimes is hard to tell from the rest of the show. But uh, anyway, we are going to take a short break and let our broadcast partners at WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint, our voices radio, 
squeeze in a few words edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. Uh, if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and we'll be back with uh, the final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, the coveted X-Files. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse, we will be right back. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what, you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other, Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. 
Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we uh, roll into the final segment of today's edition of uh, Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program, The X-Files, those weird and wacky stories that are hard to believe but true. Um, Starting with uh, a law enforcement oversight board has decided to revoke the license of former Freiburg police chief Joshua Potvin after an investigation found Potvin. Um, who had been chief for six years, invented a suspicious person report so he could ditch a Freiburg Board of Selectmen meeting in February of 2020. (laughs) The the main Criminal Justice Academy decision said Potvin engaged in a multi-step fraud that began with texting one of his officers and asking her to call him out of a meeting, out of the meeting, Potvin then drove his cruiser to the Freiburg Fairgrounds. He then used the computer in his cruiser to create a false entry in the department dispatch system that said he drove there in response to a report of a suspicious person the Academy found. He also entered a Fairground employee's license plate number into the entry. The Academy voted in February to take away Potvin's license. The details of the investigation then became public uh, this month. The Banger Daily News reported Potvin has raised or has waived his right of appeal. He resigned last year. The decision bars Potvin from working in Maine law enforcement again. Potvin did not respond to a request for comment from the Banger Daily News. A lot of people don't like meetings, but how far would you go to avoid one? <laughs> like I say, could, couldn't he have just said he's got a cold or he's got another meeting or something? <laughs> got to be easier ways to avoid a meeting than that. <laughs> well, that means part of the onus may be on the people who host the meeting. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Maybe it's like a trial. It's beneficial. Is it productive? Does Maybe it like achieve an end? Yeah, I like the city, yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe they need better snacks. That's yeah, a better yeah. snack. Yeah. A 20-year-old Florida woman who wanted to promote her Instagram page attempted to blend in with students at a Miami-area high school, police said. Monday's stunt at uh, American Senior High School landed Audrey 
Frances Sweeney in jail where she's facing charges of burglary, interfering with a school function, and resisting arrest without violence, records show. She started handing out pamphlets printed with her Instagram account after sneaking onto the campus around 8.30 a.m. Monday, police said. She had a black backpack and carried a skateboard as she walked through the hallways (laughs) recording herself. School security tracked her down as she was wandering the hallways while students were in classrooms, an arrest report said. Uh, Frances Queeney uh, told investigators she was looking for the registration office. Investigators said she headed toward the registration office but did not enter. Instead, she continued walking through the hallways talking to students. Security officers tried to catch up with her again, but she didn't stop. They notified the office of a security threat on campus. and. An officer, um, the police were called, an officer walking across the faculty parking lot um, saw her there and uh, told her to stop. She continued walking. Authorities tracked her down through her Instagram page (laughs) and arrested her (laughs) later Monday at her home in North Miami Beach. The school system will be conducting a thorough review of the incident. Miami-Dade County Public School spokesperson Jacqueline Calzadia told the Miami Herald they will be looking into how she was able to sneak into the school and elude security several times. Records did not list um, a lawyer for Frances Queenie, but she did post her arrest photo on her Instagram page. And again, this is one of those, how far would you go to promote your social media page? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds sounds to me like this was a case where you need that fellow from Maine on the job. I mean, really. That's right. And besides, this demonstrates that schools are doing something that's beneficial. They're teaching kids how to be creative thinkers, how they can defeat the law, how they can get around obstacles. (laughs) And yet get credit for that. But I don't know whether they got any credit for it, but it's creative thinking. This, but this this wasn't a student. This was just an yeah. adult who wandered in off the street to promote oh. their social media page. Was, wasn't there a movie oh, one time okay. with a theme like that? Where somebody kind of tried to crash at high school and uh, I've forgotten the title of the movie right now, but some movie of a few years back with that kind of a theme. Oh, uh, I, I know the ones you mean. Um, Jump Street. Yeah, yeah. Something, 20, well, that, 21 Jump Street, I think was the name of it. That was incredible. She was very successful in getting through. You Certainly. can't get through the school system like that that easily. Not now, you can't. Well, yeah. but this, that seems, I, I don't know, it just seems odd that somebody would go on a whole campaign to promote their social media page. Yeah. Don't social media pages kind of promote themselves? <laughs> yeah. Yes, they do. Because they create controversy all the time. Kids love that. <laughs> well, there's another strange one. Multiple 911 calls Monday evening reported a person seated in the back seat of a Tesla Model 3 without anyone in the driver's seat while the vehicle traveled oh. on Interstate 80 across the San Francisco Oakland Bay Bridge. A Highway Patrol motorcycle officer spotted the Tesla, confirmed the solo occupant was in the back seat, took action to stop the car, and saw the occupant move to the driver's seat before the car stopped, according to the statement from the Highway Patrol. 
known as CHP. Uh, the CHP said the incident remains under investigation. The statement did not say whether officials determined whether the Tesla was operating on the company's autopilot system, which can keep a car centered in its lane and a safe distance behind vehicles in front of it. But it's likely that either autopilot or Tesla's full self-driving systems were operating for the driver to be in the back seat. Tesla is allowing... <laughs> A limited number of owners to test its self-driving system, but it's not clear if Sharma was one of them. A message was left Wednesday seeking comment from Tesla. Tesla says on its website and in owner's manuals that both systems are not fully autonomous and that drivers must be ready to intervene at any time. But drivers have repeatedly zoned out with autopilot in use, resulting in at least three U.S. deaths when neither the system nor the driver stopped for obstacles in the road. Sharma was released from uh, Alameda County's uh, Santa Rita Jail on Tuesday. Does this look like a job for Uberman? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yep. <laughs> the thing about that story, Tom, uh, I can't imagine getting from the back seat into the front seat. You know, you have to go to the That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That would be hard for me to do. Especially in, in a Tesla. Take, yeah, but, to take but, control of the car. Anyway. But I saw a video of that this morning. It was on TV. And the officer followed him in a car for at least uh, 30 to 40 minutes. They just showed this car moving down the road. And he, in order, he had to... In order to get the car to stop, he had to drive up by it and bunk a horn or yell or whatever. And then uh, he, he should have... Now, maybe he didn't have capability of videoing the guy because he was driving his car. But it seems to me that he would have seen him transfer from one seat to the other. I would assume. And... In fact, are those auto-drive cars, how do they respond to a police chase? Are they trained, are they the computers trained to stop if they see hear a siren or see red lights behind a car? I, I don't know what the computer does. I, I don't know. Um, maybe they have an evade function. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that wraps it up for today's edition of Armchair Politics. And... Uh, I, I want to say thank you to our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Always good to be great here. Great show. Always a great show with and, our guest. And it's always fun to have uh, Mark Everson join us as well. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, gentlemen. And with that, we'll uh, wrap up today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Um, let's see. we got... Uh, What's coming up tomorrow? Well, we got, we got another great show coming up tomorrow. Let me see. Oh, yeah, we've got a couple of uh, authors uh, talking about... Um, oh, what are we going to talk about? Well, you'll have to tune in and find out. That's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but... Uh, Never fear, I will be back with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show. 
and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.